Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a moonshine distiller, and I love films. As Thomas Aquinas said... There is nothing on this earth more to be prized than true friendship and or a VHS copy of The Muppet Christmas Carol, including the cut scene where Belle sings When Love Is Gone. Every week, I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Future guests include John Robbins, Evelyn Mock, and coming up soon, Ricky Gervais. But for episode 16, we have the wonderful Ashling B. But first up, the big news and the admin... On Saturday 3rd of November, I will be doing a live episode of Films to be Buried with at the BFI South Bank at 6 o'clock p.m. If you listen all the way to the end of this episode, in the outro, I will reveal who the secret guest I'll be interviewing will be and how to get in touch with your own answers. Tickets are on sale on the BFI website and the BFI are also offering a special discount code only for podcast listeners. So if you put the code BURIED in... B-U-R-I-E-D, you'll get £2 off the normal price, so that's all right, isn't it? I suggest you get your ticket fast, as it's going to be a corker. Also, if you do like this show, please subscribe and give it five stars and a nice review for the simple reason that apparently it helps our numbers and it means more people get to hear it and I can keep making it and you'll never have to pay for it, etc, etc, until we all die or the internet explodes. So, today's guest, Ashling B., Ashling B is an award-winning stand-up, actor and writer and an absolute bloody diamond. She arrived in comedy and she smashed it to bits very early doors and she has subsequently gone on to basically take over the world. She's currently filming something with Paul Rudd for Netflix. She's writing her own series for Channel 4 and I can tell you I've seen the scripts and I will confirm they're fucking brilliant. If you want to see the two of us at work, look up the short film Bullet to the Heart, which we co-wrote and starred in, directed by John Drever. Usual warnings for this episode apply. There is swearing, there are spoilers, and we may touch lightly on dark topics, but hopefully there's nothing too much to worry about. I don't think there are any major concerns in this episode, unless you are poor Ainsley Harriet. There is one bit I did want to cut, but Ainsley threatened me, so I have to keep it in. I'm sure you'll know what it is. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy this. Here it is, episode 16 of Films to be Buried with.
Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello and oh. welcome to Films to be Buried With. Shh, people are listening in, Bradley. I, my name is Brett Goldstein. I am your host and I'm joined today in my own house by the actor, the writer, <laughs> the sometime activist, the sometime vegetarian, stand the oft-praised <laughs> stand-up and all-round good guy. It's everyone's favourite. Hey, Ashling B. Yay. We should tell the listeners mm-hmm. that throughout this, we won't be saying Brett and Ashling. We'll be saying Bradley and Ainsley. Cause, yeah. And we, people often think we don't know each other properly. Because we, I remember one time you said Ainsley on stage mm-hmm. and someone thought you got my name wrong, not realising that's just what you call me. Yeah. And they thought I was being like rude. Yeah, they, was, well, they thought I you was, were like just trying giving in the Irish. I was respecting you like no one else does. By, oh, by I've never had such respect. Pronouncing your name how it's spelled. Everyone else just monkeying around, going, Ashley, <laughs> what are you on about? Oh, Eileen Siobhan. Your name came to me, and I still say I'm the first person to call you Bradley, that everyone calls you Bradley now, mm. but you have direct evidence that's not the truth. Um, because I used to call you Brett, and then uh, Americans always call you Brett. Mm-hmm. And I thought that sounded like bread, and then Bradley, and then Bradley, and I got Bradley. <laughs> and then I started calling you Bradley. And then yeah. with me, you started calling me Ainsley. Do you remember why? Because I saw how it was spelled? No, no. Uh, no. It's that because, way. so Ainsley Harriet, TV chef. Oh, yeah. I used to um, kind of be scared of sex in a way, and the power of men, if they were having sex with you, because... I remember there was this fairy washing up liquid where Ainsley Harriet would, Harriet would take a lemon from the tree and he was you, like... You, you've missed the word advert. This isn't just a Oh, fairy. yeah, sorry, this <laughs> is an advert. I wasn't hanging around his house. And he was By like, his fairy liquid. Yeah. And he was just he was grabbing lemons from trees, making his own. He actually makes all the fairy washing up liquid. Um, and so I remember in the advert... He grabbed a lemon and went, mm-hmm. there's real lemons in here or something like that. And yeah. then took the lemon and squeezed it and all of the juice came out immediately. And I w- had never expected that much power to be in his hands. And I was like, God, imagine if that was my boob. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then you usually go home. And uh, I told you that. And then from then on, you called me nice. Ainsley after Ainsley. Imagine the amount of lemon juice that would explode out of your boobs. Out of my boobs. Oh, God. Yeah. He was the same and ready steady cook. It was so impressive. It's like when Jamie Oliver just saw it and he picks up a pinch, but like so much snow sprinkles come out of his hand oh that he managed God. to turn it into a large amount of salt. Imagine having Ainsley on one boob and Jamie on Oh, God, they wouldn't know the Sprinkling on the other. Uh, Jesus. That's God, there's a, there's a niche market for something there, isn't there? God, that's a horrendous extreme. Also, I should explain as well to anyone listening um, that I got a filling done today and the left-hand side of my face is completely numb. Even drinking this coffee is an experience. Uh, but I think it'll help considering it's a film podcast i'm going to obviously when i introduce this say you're drunk no i saw a film i'm most interested in today it reminds me of my childhood yeah. but I, I feel like i sound like um you know oh want to be a contender uh like marlon brando Brando. i'm sure he just got filling his voice at the time people are like what an amazing actor you're like actually i've got some dental problems <laughs> i'm in a lot of pain <laughs> i've been a lot of time if i'm honest i had too many sweeties as a kid yeah i regret it now oh yeah and then because of continuity they just kept having to inject yeah, his mouth feelings. Yeah, just... every time his speech cleared up <laughs> really is i thought we'd uh finish the shot stick him again Get him again. His, we get the dentist in. We can hear him properly. <laughs> um, Ainsley. Yes. Bradley. How do you feel about films? Um, well, like my good friend Bradley, mm-hmm. I am not always the biggest fan of films. Oh, well, welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. I'll be, this will be about two minutes, Max. I am a bigger fan of TV box sets. Mm. And I wonder if there is something in me that hates things ending. In a small amount of space. I like uh, snacks rather than one-off dinners. I like to graze throughout the day. I like books along the lines of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Harry Potter. Like once it's finished, it's not over forever. If it's a movie, you like a franchise. So Fast and Furious, you're very happy with. Do you know, I don't... Eight and counting. I don't know because with a franchise, I never get involved with a franchise unless the franchise is finished. So I know going in, there's loads more. Whereas the first Fast and the Furious, they weren't going to be like, franchise, they're like, it's a one-off film. Yeah. So I can't get involved with something until I know there's going to be lots of it. Right. So that's how I feel about films. Like I never, you know the feeling you get, you often go to relax in the cinema on your own, like a giant creepy pervert. Yeah. I just don't do that, Brett. And you know, most people don't. <laughs> um, you know, like when you go to kids' movies, you sit there on your own at the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eating popcorn. Sure. No one ever sees you watch the film. Well, when um, I went to see Frozen on my own, it was an empty, <laughs> an empty, it was a Sunday morning and it was an empty cinema. And then four young girls with their parent uh, came in. It was like five minutes in and I thought I had yeah. the place myself. And they came and sat next to me. I mean, that wasn't my choice. Yeah. And also, for those of you who don't know Brett Goldstein in person, you do wear like slightly creepy jackets like you oh, do really? wear well you've got orthopedic shoes on normally mm-hmm. jeans one of uh, either a black or a grey t-shirt grey yeah. if it's like a wedding or something it's yeah, always yeah, yeah. a big occasion or a party yeah. and then you're um, very practical it's an investment coat right for winters and that's your jacket <laughs> and then you've got your back packed so hang on so what back. you're saying is the kids coming to sit next to me the parents thinking oh dear yeah 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 without right. a doubt Without a doubt. Okay. Well, that's um, yeah. lovely. Well, to be, well, the parent, yeah. for the record, just yeah. did not move the girls, said to the girls, you sit away <laughs> next to this guy. And I, and I looked at them 
and then looked back at the screen and we all cried at Frozen because it's Aww. a fucking beautiful film. I mean, it probably will be coming up, Brett. Oh, okay. Too much away. Well, yeah, it's the story of your life. Anyway. The story of my life. So, um, you prefer box sets or films where there's loads and loads of things? I suppose my relaxing, like you're relaxing the cinema, to me, mm. the cinema as an experience is a big old deal with popcorn for an action movie and it's a once-off, a sort of treat affair. Uh, and I, so I wouldn't go and see an arty movie. Whereas watching things for me, uh, my chill-out version of that is my laptop on, me and my own in the house, mm-hmm. cleaning and pottering around the house with my laptop on and something in the background. I rarely sit down and watch anything. Right, and why is that? Because you have ADHD? Uh, there's a very possible diagnosis of that on route, yeah. Um, mm. <laughs> and I'm sure any psychiatrist listening will listen to the, the uh, ratio of how much Brett has spoken <laughs> and how much I have spoken so far and agree. Um, yeah, maybe. I think the, uh, the doing something uh, with my hands, oh, oh boys, yeah. um, and, and pottering is my version of winding down my body so my brain can focus. Aren't you just constantly holding your, your breasts in case Aisley Harriet is passing? Oh, my God. So that's why I like staying in the house. Because in the cinema, he could creep up behind me and go, lemons! And just go... <laughs> I didn't know he was such a threat. <laughs> it's just... He, he, I, it felt like he didn't know his own power. And that's what... Like, he'd be very kind, but then one go with the lemons and all the juice was out and I was like oh, that power like for just me. to be very clear with this it's all alleged <laughs> none of this has happened <laughs> no it's in the fairy washing up but he really advert. did squeeze a lemon with one hand to, yeah and to... if you look at any of Jamie Oliver's uh, salt there, there's he takes a pinch and then <laughs> it's like Pablo Escobar right uh, you know at a party yeah when there's a surplus it's just whoa okay so you you, you, you half watch Box sets at the corner of your eye yes. whilst cooking and cleaning. Yes. So how do you feel as a creator mm-hmm. of your own stuff? If I said to you, oh, that thing you spent five years making, mm-hmm. I half watched it, I was doing the hoovering. I would say, Brett, you were involved in the project as a script editor. <laughs> Why? <Right. laughs> Brett, script editing my current TV show, for those of you who don't know. Uh, do you know what? I don't think I'd say that to someone because I'm not an absolute knobhead. Like, no one does. Like I don't expect people to uh, totally not go and get a pint while I'm on stage. In fact, I actively encourage it. <laughs> For their own sake. Yeah, and I suppose entertainment is supposed to be taken whatever way you want. I don't judge how you decide to eat the celery you might buy at Tesco's. The celery person might be like, oh, did you marinate it and put it in a great salad or a stew? And you're like, no, I just munch it. Didn't even yeah. think about it. So, yeah, it's not like I'm, I'm distracted. It helps me focus, rather, I suppose. That's how I like to wind down. With movies, and I even found this writing. I was writing a film. Uh, I've written two films, and they never went anywhere. Uh, one was at Sharon Horgan, and one was on my own. Yeah. And I hated that it had to have a beginning, middle, and end. I like when I develop a character that you're like, let's see where these go in life. And the fact that in movies you have to kill all your characters by the end in some way, mostly metaphorical, obviously, that at the end their journey has to come to an end or else you won't feel happy. And that I used to find like, oh, you spend all this time with these characters. Maybe that's why I like writing for TV more, that they get to run and run and their sort of ending is left a bit open. Or you might bring them back in the next series if you find someone's particularly funny. Or I love that both your film scripts ended with a massacre of all your characters. Yeah, they were rom-coms. <laughs> wow. Um, that's very interesting. You know, Ethan Hawke, he was 
-hmm. he was much uh, derided and loved mm -hmm. in the in Twitter because he did an interview where he said, "I don't like the reason I like film and not TV is because." I don't want to commit to a story that has no ending yet. Ah, interesting, yeah. And I like to tell a complete story. Whereas mm. if you sign to a TV show, you don't know if season seven suddenly it's all going to be... I think that's not even a creative thing. I think for him, that's probably more an awareness of how the business works. That if you get stuck at a TV show, you're contracted to do it forever and you don't know that your character is going to be interesting by season three or that you might get five lines. Mm. So that's probably like, oh, you could get stuck in something with no actual acting to do. So for me, I totally get that. As an actor, the dream is a movie for three months that then gets to run and run and run and you get to kind of say goodbye to it and use whatever heat came from that movie to propel you into the next job. Mm. Whereas the risk with a TV show is that you're stuck in it forevermore. So I, I get that, but I think that's probably less creative and more uh, career. Yeah, I get you, Ethan. Do you know what? I'm going to tweet him after this podcast and go, <laughs> nice I tweet. feel you, Hawk. Was it Ethan Hawke, he said? Yes, it was Ethan Sometimes I get mixed up between him, Ryan Thierry, which is not his name. Ryan he was Reynolds? Married, no, he was married to Reese Witherspoon. Oh, Ryan Philippe. Ryan Philippe, yeah. How do you know it's Thierry Henry? <laughs> and Philippe is a French name. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Philippe, no, yes. they're very, very different. You know that sort of, they were, out around, they were hunks around the same time, Brett. Okay. In their heyday, I think. But yeah, so that's, oh yeah, I feel you, Hawke. Um... Oh, I've forgotten to tell you, and I should have told you when you got here. Oh, no. oh God, it's terrible that I've, I've left this so late. Oh, you, I don't know how you're going to take this. Oh, I'm really sorry, Angelie, but oh, um, you've died. Oh, died. my God. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot to tell you as well. What an idiot. Oh, my God. I'm absolutely in shock, Brett. Yeah. How did you die? I died because mm. um, uh, obviously I'm now 85. Okay. Uh, I died from a series of unfortunate minor accidents. Oh, wow. What, like mousetrap? Like uh, oh, if only they were that interesting. I'm talking about uh, flicking through a script that I was going to be in yeah. and getting a paper cut from every single page on a different part of my arm. Oh, boy. And then I was like, ah, I'm minorly bleeding in a small way yeah. through my hands and arms from flicking through this script. Right. And then I um, I forgot I'd washed the floor. And I... Watching a box set. Yeah, watching a box set. Classic me. Yeah. And I slipped on the floor, grabbed onto my laptop because I didn't want to miss what had happened on the uh, 78th uh, series of The Walking Dead. <laughs> With Ethan Hawke. With Ethan Hawke <laughs> in it. Now up. in it, because he'd given up on the movie industry. And um, I pushed my face through the screen and accidentally took a screen grab of the death. Oh, great. And, Is that now a meme? Uh, that's going to be a meme. Yeah. And then uh, it wasn't any of those things that did it. Right. It was that actually the dog I adopted came in, did a, a poo near me. I touched it and then touched my eyes and I went blind. Fucking hell. Honestly, any of these How things happening in a small happen? way wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. But all together... And then I couldn't see where my phone was to call the, to press in the right numbers. Yeah. And instead I called a Deliveroo. And when the man managed to force his way in, he uh, stabbed me. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Isn't that, would you, you couldn't write Do you know why? <laughs> Do you know why he stabbed you? I, I owed him a lot of money. Oh, shit. Yeah. He'd yeah. been my only source of food for about 30 years. 
Fat. And I kept on charming him into... Um, just giving it away. But... Bloody hell. Well, it's not what we expected. I think we Imagine we both completely forgot about that when I came in. What, that you died? And how. Yeah, yeah. It's weird that it sort of slipped, slipped our mind. Mm. Um, I... Well, I'm so sorry to hear that. A couple of... Just... I guess my only question is, all of it makes sense, but... I guess my question is, after the first paper cut, you just kept on going. You didn't. It's a great co- script, Brett. You didn't cover it up. Or... It was a really good script. Great. Are you scared of death? No, not at all. Well, Genuinely, not scared of death at all. It's quite interesting. My uh, dad died when I was a kid. If you want to know more about that, visit a variety of podcasts where I've talked about it. <laughs> um, but because of that, mm-hmm. and I think because of being Irish, death was something we talked about all the time. My mother is incredibly open about death and wills and the practicality of it. Right. So we're big into, oh, when you die now, make sure you have your affairs tied up. Like, we've mm. always been... Um, have you got your will done? I have. We, Sinead and I, my sister Sinead and I, started writing wills. Here's how morbid we were. Yeah. When we were seven <laughs> and Sinead was four. Lovely. And I'd have to write her first ones for her. And we have copies of them. Still, my mother's kept all the copies of our wills, and it's so funny because you can see who our friends were <laughs> over the years. Like uh, Sinead's like to Helena, I leave my only ba- beanie baby, and then like the fo- following year, like Vivian and get two of her beanie babies instead. And we-, we would always write contracts and wills. I think my mother talked a lot about wills, and her current will, she uh, rang me. She's like, "Oh, I've done a bit of a joke for you in the will." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What?" And she's like, the, the lawyer got very, the solicitor got very um, angry with me. I said, hang on, I am making will for my daughter and she's a comedian and I want there to be a little joke in there. And eventually she told me what the joke was, is that she'll be buried with her hot water bottle in her slanket. I love that. <laughs> and yeah. I love that. And she wants, she wants it to give us a laugh when it gets read out. I think there might be another sneaky little joke in there. The problem with my mother is yeah. she's not great at jokes. So it might take us a while to work out which bit was the joke? Which bit was the And you're dressing up her body with a slanket. With a slanket. A to be fair, water. that's actually the ideal thing to bury someone in. Because it's just covering the... Do you know what a slanket is? Yeah. A blanket. A blanket with so, two sleeves out the front. So you yeah. can just sit on the couch. Yeah. So it's Lovely. actually a handy thing to dress a body in. Um, so yes, re-death. We've always been very uh, open about it. I've always expected it. Because you grow up knowing it could happen. So mm-hmm. when people say things like, oh, you could be dead tomorrow. We were like, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, my nana had died. There were all his people around. Uh, I think the first dead body I saw. God, we were brought to so many wakes as well. So we'd see a lot of dead bodies laid yeah. out. And and I lived with my granddad while I was at university for two years. And then my sister lived with him for the following year. And then he died. So we lived with a, an elderly man while he was dying. Uh, in a sense, at the end of his life rather rather than dying. Right. And so it's just a real like, yeah, I get it, yeah. Do you have uh, particular feelings about an afterlife? I believe that the people who you connect with over your life in the same way your early years or things that people said to you have a huge effect on your life and what you react to in the sort of filmic reference of like, did you just call me chicken from Back to the Future? (laughs) Like little things that someone else might brush off make you and trigger you who you are. And I believe all the people who come in contact with your life kind of form who you are. And that's what gets left behind. And they feel like little ghosts, but they're probably little parts of your subconscious 
and the effect people had on you in certain mm. ways. In the same way, when you go into a new relationship, all your exes are there in a way as well. So either decisions that you make to not get into certain situations like before or patterns that you keep on mm. behaving, they're almost like the little ghosts of Christmas's past in your head influencing your behaviour. You really shouldn't keep your exes in the house. Well, they shouldn't have broken up with me then, Brett. Yeah. What, uh, <laughs> what, uh, oh, well, I've got good news. Oh, please. There is a heaven. What? Yeah. And uh, and it's just us two hanging out. It's great. But it's everything you want except the thing you might find weird and annoying as someone who just likes box sets. Everyone just wants to talk about films. So it might be a nightmare for you. But it's heaven. It's there's other things going it's on. It's more boring to me. To be fair, yeah. there's other things going on <laughs> in other rooms. But in the room you're currently in, in the heaven... It's the film, you're in the film podcast room. As you, as you, as you mention certain things, yeah. I'm already changing some of my answers, answers in my head just because I'm remembering things. Great. So, yeah, they want to talk about your life yes. through film. And the first thing they ask you is, what is the very first film that you remember seeing? Might not be the first one, but the first one you remember. Well, so the first one I remember seeing yeah. was I remember... We, myself and my friend at the time, Irene Kavanagh, were being brought to the cinema to go and see Lady and the Tramp. Oh, lovely. And I had never been to the cinema before. So Ooh. this is the first time, maybe like five or six. Okay. And I'd never been to the cinema before. And I couldn't imagine what the cinema was. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine like how it would, I just had no concept of what it would be. It was yeah. a very foreign concept to me. And I remember, I still have the memory in my head of expecting, because I'd seen the adverts and the posters, of expecting, like we had in school, giant cutouts of Lady and giant cutouts of Tramp and lollipop sticks, like in school when they did sort of puppets, sellotaped to the back of these big cardboard cutouts and that kind of giant hands would have them meet and be like, hello, hello. So like Punch and Judy, Lady and the Yeah, Tramp. but with the, with the kind of old-fashioned uh, ice pop sticks stuck to the back of them. But massive hands again. You got massive hands. Massive hands. Massive hands. Oh my God, was it Ainsley Harriet? Yeah. Um, uh, At the the back of them, moving them along. Mm. And I still remember sitting in the cinema and the cartoon starting. I'm like, oh, it's a big telly. Ah, okay. No one said to me, it's just telly, but bigger. And I I was like, oh yeah. And so it's going to move. Do you think that's how they should advertise cinema? Telly, but well, bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's telly, but bigger. Right. But that's, yeah, and maybe that's why I've always liked telly, because I didn't like being light. It's like cinema, but smaller. Like cinema, but smaller. A cinema in your house, but smaller. <laughs> so you liked, where was this, the cinema? In Newbridge, in, it was, uh, so we didn't have a cinema in our town, so it was in the next town, a crossover. Was it a... a and like that would a... be where I'd have many kisses in the future with uh, boys. We'd go there as a sort of excuse to kind of... I remember one time a guy asked, like we were in a little gang, and a guy asked me to go to the cinema. And he put his arm around me in the cinema. And I couldn't bloody believe it and didn't know... Like I didn't know how to move or whether to just like lean into it. I was just like... Ugh! And he's like a really <laughs> handsome guy. And I remember he started stroking, like he did his arm around me and he started stroking my forearm and my hands got so sweaty, <laughs> but I didn't want to move them. 
And I remember every time he'd stroke down to the bottom of my arm, I was like, please don't go further into my hand because he'd end up in a pool of water yeah. and stroke back up. And I remember him kind of hesitating, feeling the pool of sweat in my hands and then like a little bit wiping the water <laughs> on my forearm. And me being like, oh. And after that, we all walked to McDonald's. There was McDonald's nearby. And it was like the first time McDonald's had been mm. outside of Dublin. And I came to Newbridge and we all walked to McDonald's. And it was before mobile phones. And we had to, like, get taxis back to our houses. And um, I remember him going, right, I'm going to go to the phone box. And uh, and I thought this date had gone really well. And he went to the phone box. And he was like, hi, can I get a taxi, please? And they were like, when do you want it for? And he's like, ASAP. <laughs> and still when people say ASAP to me, I feel this sadness. Because... I get what he meant. Like, it could have taken an hour for a taxi to get to there. But what he really meant was your hands are disgusting. But, like, get, get me away from this disgusting girl. Sweaty. Yeah, this sweaty mess. What was the um, film? Do you know I don't know, but it, I think it was around the time of Austin Powers. Okay. It was around that sort of time. Like, so I feel... any film in the year... I don't... Maybe it's one of those things, everything else was so much more... I couldn't even watch the film because I was no. so thinking about my sweaty hand. No. Um... But I don't remember what we went to see. So it was around Austin Powers, pre-born identity, I feel. But around that sort of time. Yeah, Austin Powers was pre-born identity. And all, all I knew about men was that they loved quoting in... things. Yes. So, uh, like, one million dollars. Like, that's all men do is quote stuff. And I could never remember things. I'd be like, a hundred dollars. That's not the quote. So I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. And they're like, yeah, it's not the quote. Or the Simpsons. All men just remember quotes. That's my, that's my most sexist opinion. <laughs> is that men remember quotes and women don't have the time because we're too busy being sassy. Right. You talk to any man, they're like, blow the doors off or whatever it is. <laughs> that's it. Uh, yeah, or the Simpsons. Like, Homer, why don't you get the elephant out of the garden, Homer? They're always quoting things. an excellent Marge Simpson. Really? Yeah, perhaps you should learn some quotes because you can do her very well. This is one of my great flaws that I don't have the quotes. I don't remember lines. What did you make of Lady and Tramp? Was it with, you, with your mum, you, Irene, and your mum? It probably would have been or her mother. Okay. Um, I can't remember other than just that light bulb moment. Now I, I remember the story of it. And also, we never had spaghetti, we never had spaghetti before. So we wow, didn't know what the fucking food blowing is. Your mind. I didn't have spaghetti until... It's like bread, but stringy. <laughs> it's like bread, but in tiny floppy tubes. <laughs> we, hadn't, we didn't have spaghetti until I was about 10. Wow. And it was brought to us. Lots of that stuff didn't come to Ireland until the mid to late 90s when the economy took off. But we didn't have spaghetti until then. And it was given to us by a French au pair. These French girls used to come and uh, look after us while Mammy was at work. And they'd learn English. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mammy would be at work. And there's this one girl, Celine. She made spaghetti and she put ketchup on it and grated cheese. Oh, and we were like, what is this magical thing? And until I was about 18, I didn't know that that wasn't how you made spaghetti. I, True story, to, folks. To this age, I didn't know that wasn't how you made spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> it's like finding out Santa's not real. Spaghetti into our ketchup, that's a fucking meal. I mean, you're not a cook, Brett. That's all I'll say. Okay. Um, uh, but God, your heart is in the right place. <laughs> Last week, Brett and I were working together in his house, and I was like, oh, wouldn't mind a snack. And he gave me two slices of ravioli <laughs> with no moisture on them. And then, like, a hard cheese on top. Because I thought the moisture from your hand would cover it. <laughs> <laughs> would really cover it up. 
what? <laughs> what is the? I thought as soon as you hold that Ravita, it's going to be sopping. What? Uh, Turn into a soup. What is the film that made you cry the most? Oh, this one. So this one, I don't. Have we skipped a question? Maybe. Well, I sometimes do okay. them in. Do you? Orders. Really keep fresh. Um, well, for this one, I'm going to say uh, Frozen. Frozen. Uh, I watched Frozen on my own, mm. pottering about the house on my laptop. I bought it, and Frozen. Like I remember uh, being surprised by crying when Shadowland was on the TV years ago, right. and I don't know what it unhooked from me. But I was on my own in the sitting room sometime. This was before. I could go out to nightclubs or something and I was on the telly and I cried and cried but I don't remember anything about Shadowlands. It's a fucking depressing story of C.S. Lewis and his woman he loved dying of cancer. Yeah, that was probably what did it. That'll yeah, be it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. But now back to the magical kingdom where the woman is frozen. Uh, there is the frozen... Oh, it got me. I have one sister and for a while I was quite a frosty creature myself mm. and she is... My sister is the love of my life and she... And makes such an effort with me. And when I was going through my frosty period, it made her so sad. And every time the bit where I think there's a bit about when you're sad or when you're low, you do feel like staying indoors all the time because you feel like your frostiness might might go and hurt other people. Mm. And you don't realise that you're, you're actually hurting them more by not letting them help you. And so when I watch these two little cartoons and the younger sister go up to the door and your one's inside all depressed with her snow hands. Yeah. And she's like, do you want to build a snowman? And she's like, no, fuck off. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's me. Mm-hmm. Old Frosty in my tower. Um, and maybe that's what I am when I'm inside watching my box sets. Uh, pottering yeah. about the house on my own. I'm letting it snow. I genuinely believe, and I discussed it with the four little girls next to me, that the twist, <laughs> the twist at the end of Frozen is one of the great twists of all time. It's such a fucking beautiful story. Mm. True mm. love. True love's kisses is the big spoiler. Yeah. It's from the sisters. Yeah, oh, it's God. the sisters getting together and that's what makes it's it the so sisters important. suddenly looking at each other and then slowly snogging. Yeah. For ages. Okay, Brett. Okay, I think it's we all really need moving. A, I think we all need a cup of tea and a nice cold water for Brett. Um, what? Yeah, lovely. Have you watched it with... Sinead, no, that would be too much. That would be too much. Has she seen it? Uh, yes, she has. We left it on one Christmas because it was on the TV and we're like, oh, bo- boring. <laughs> this is so unwatchable. That's the most beautiful story I ever did here. And yeah. I'm sure, and Sinead's boyfriend this is like, yeah, that's the story of the two of you as well. Yeah. And I think there's something about, I truly believe that as much death in kids' movies, the better. I think we've sugarcoated <laughs> things far too much mm. to not let kids know about death and slowly get them used to the idea. And why I like Harry Potter or Frozen and when the little guy melts, uh, old Snowy the Frosty Man, I forget his Olaf. name. Olaf, yes. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> see, not great at quotes. Um, uh, when they die, it's important that kids know that that's what happens and it becomes normalised. To snowmen. Yeah, to snowmen, that they melt. But next winter, they'll come back. Yeah. I think it's a very important part of childhood. And I'm actually glad, uh, in a way, the one, uh, the one, one of the good things about having a, a parent or, or a loss early on in life is that, honestly, death does not scare me at all. Hmm. And I see some people who can't talk about it. I went out with someone once who the idea of his parents' mortality, and he's in his 30s, freaks him out so much. Hmm. Whereas my mother and I talk about it very openly. I'm like, Mammy when are you going to go and leave me the house? 
Mommy, <laughs> when do I get the cash from that sweet, sweet will? Mommy, where do I buy this slanket? Where is this slanket? Do you have a slanket already prepared? I jest. But like that to me is it's a, a, a chilled out part of me. And I don't have many chilled out parts of me, but that one yeah. is I'm very chilled about death. Here, look how easily I am sitting here yeah. after the awful death I had earlier. Such a horrendous death. Took ages. Yeah. Um, what is the film? Speaking of fear. Oh, if you wouldn't mind. What's the film that scared you the most then? Death Don't Scare You, what films had? Oh, God. So this isn't really a full film experience. And it's very recent. So okay. I'm very sad about it. I was round at Sharon Horrigan's house and her daughter covertly started watching while we were um, writing in the kitchen, mm-hmm. um, The Human Centipede. Fucking hell. And I, eventually, we went in and just said, no more! No, because we could hear bits of it. And on my way out mm-hmm. of the house, I saw maybe 11 seconds of it. Right. It's made me so sad mm. that it got as far as it did, that it got watched as far as it did, all of the abuse of women in it in just that 15 seconds. I hated it so much. Mm. How good the actors seemed to be in it. How painful it seemed to be. When I was working on Cardinal Burns, mm. I was doing a couple of writing days with them. And at the time we had a sketch which never got made. But it was a pity because I really liked the idea of it. That it would be a sort of, you know, those kind of T4 presenters who kind of chat to, well, you have a new movie coming up. So um, tell us about your new movie. And it would be someone like that chatting to the two guys who came up with something like the human centipede. Because right. what do you say to them? So come yeah. here, um, how did you come up with the idea? And they were like, well, it was a long process. <laughs> and, um, it's just something we really saw and really believed in. Like, how do you talk to the makers yeah. of the human centipede? How do you sit down with dinner and go, I'm really proud of you. Um, <laughs> like, how did you do it? Where did you get your ideas from? Yeah. Inside my darkest soul. And also we did it. We, this is a true story. We actually did it. Like, how do you... And it just upset me and scared me so much. Mm. And even today I was at the dentist getting my filling done. Yeah. And I had to really... It was a tricky one because it was near my wisdom tooth. And he had to really wrench open my mouth. And there was a problem with the sucker for a second. <clears> so <throat> I had it drooling down the side of my face. And I was like, please... Please, please get in the tittle. Please get in the tittle. And I felt a real memory of the human centipede when your one has... You worried he was going to sew an arsehole to your mouth? In many ways, yes, Brett. That's the subtext of it. But you just read read it out as the text. Yeah, it just reminded me of how awful that feeling of powerlessness as someone drills into you and performs Mm. on you. What makes you want to be a dentist, Brett? So, you... Hate, yeah, that. having people sewed together. Yes, but also in general, I have a very low tolerance for, like, so w- when I was living with Sinead, mm-hmm. we were both very jumpy. One time I was in the kitchen, we both knew we were in the house. Yeah. One time I was in the kitchen, and Sinead came and went, Ashley, and I went, ah! And my, ah! Made Sinead go, ah! And then the two of us saying, ah, together, we all went, ah! Ah, I love it. And we were so jumpy. And even watching the X-Files growing up, I had to run from downstairs to get up to bed quickly 
And there was a, a while, I think I talked about this on TV recently, but there was an episode where they had uh, something awful was in the sewers. And you know when something bad's in the sewers in a movie, the rats all start, you hear they're like... Yeah. And it's like, what's that noise? And it's a shed load of rats who were even too scared of whatever was in the sewers. Yeah. And one time in the X-Files, they came up through the toilet while a man was sat in the toilet. And for still sometimes if I'm having a What came up day, through the toilet? Rats? All the rats. Oh, Jesus. And, and the man was on the toilet and yeah. boom. Um, so I still get scared about things. In fact, one time when you and I were in Edinburgh together, mm. um, you were like, Ainsley, let's go out to the cinema. And I was like, okay, Brett, it'd be nice to do something that's not seeing a show mm. or that, you know, you don't have to clap to or they don't expect anything of you. Yeah. And we went to see a movie and I, you didn't really tell me it was a scary movie. What was it? I can't remember. I can't remember, but a house was haunted. And the mother ended up downstairs in a chair being thrown around and being like, ah! um, and again, it was all creaky doors. Hello? Oh, it was insidious. Hello? Must be the wind. And you're like, it's never the wind. You'll find out in about 20 minutes. It's not the wind. I think it was insidious. That was another scary one. So yeah, the whole okay. of Edinburgh, I was quite scared. <laughs> not just of reviewers, but of, <laughs> of that Being movie. thrown around a chair. Yeah, by a ghost. That's fair. So you've not seen horror films other than that. And that's the one with a bit you, of human 15 Seconds of the Human Centipede. Yeah. And The X-Files. Okay. They're the three horror films I've seen. That's very sweet. Nice I mean, that. I've seen some films that have been absolute horrors, but as a genre. What not. is a film mm-hmm. that you used to love when you were little and then you watched it now you're older and you think... Oh dear, this doesn't hold up. Oh yes. Now my memories of this uh my memories of this movie might be a little bit shady, but <laughs> I love this actor so much. One of the reasons being mm-hmm. is that he really reminds me of my dad because he looks like him. And oh, it's wow. Tom Hanks. Love it. And even sometimes when I remember my dad, I see Tom Hanks's face in my dad's clothes. Wow. And so I have a real emotional attachment to just Tom Hanks and his face but also I think he's such a brilliant like Money Pit amazing love Money he's, Pit he's such a good comedy actor yeah and even in interviews his Desert Island Discs as well was so good he's just so funny um but big which I love yeah but when you think about it a woman's having sex with a young boy with a 12 year old yeah repeatedly yeah over and over. And we're like, oh, that, that cutie character. He's really getting his end away. If only we could all find a magic genie box to turn us <laughs> into that. Then you could get your 12-year-old mm. boy's dream. But actually, he's duping a woman into sleeping with him. Not that he knows that's what oh, he's, he's doing. Oh, he's the criminal. Oh, not they're the, both criminals. Not the pizza. I think send them both to jail, to be honest. Yeah. But it's all a bit, like, mm. isn't it? Well... That is a good point, and I have thought about this before. When he walks away at the end and becomes a little again, mm. it, I suppose like, if she jumped it. out, yeah, if she jumped out the car and started having sex with him again, mm. then I guess we might go, oh, this film's got problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's not into him when he's back to being a little boy. Yeah. So maybe it's all right. But you're right. It's... There is a. That's what it is. It's not. To- it's just a bit. Ugh. Yeah, there is an issue with. It's a bit yucky. Her having sex with a 12-year-old. Yeah. Mm. It's like, I remember... That's um, really rude, big. Yeah, my, my granny used to make this vegetable soup. <laughs> it's the only soup Sinead and I used to eat. We were like, oh my God, granny's homemade vegetable soup. And like, when I imagine her making this soup, 
I remember her going out into the garden and pulling up carrots out of her homemade allotment, etc., and chopping the vegetables. Mm. And uh, years later, and we'd go into hotels and they'd be like, do you want soup? And we'd be like, is it like Granny's homemade vegetable soup? And he's like, well, why don't you go back to Granny's house? You're having such a nice time there. <laughs> and um, years later, we found that she added water to a packet. And there was oh, no wow. garden or allotment. She just like added water to those nor stirring cup of soups. It was a cup Love of soup. It. And what we really liked was salt. Um, and so you look you look back and you go oh that really wasn't good for us it was Mm. a lot of salt and very little vegetables and sometimes you look back at certain things you're like oh that wasn't mm." that's how you feel about big we still we enjoyed it at the time but was it good for us probably not Mm. what is a film that people don't like but you're like no sir that is a wonderful film and i stand by it oh uh well i don't know if people hate this movie but I, I, it's one of the few, I hate watching anything twice. Yeah. In general, I don't read a book twice. I don't watch a film twice. Once I know what's happened, I find it very hard to like okay. enjoy the journey. Yeah. Um, and so, but this is one of the few movies I was able to watch, definitely as a teenager, over and over again. And gave me so many giggles. And I think I love bad jokes. It's Happy Gilmore. Oh, Happy Gilmore is fucking great. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I've only you to judge me, but you yeah. are a film buff. I'm judging that. Uh, a buff a film buff, success. if you will allow me a little compliment, Brett. Stop. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore is great. You know, my sister, I think I've said this on the thing, but my sister, who doesn't watch a lot of films, we watched Happy Gilmore together, and she could, she couldn't believe how brilliant Adam Sandler was. <laughs> and literally halfway through, she was laughing, laughing. She turned to me and she said, he should get an Oscar. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he should. I He's mean, brilliant. there is. Making people laugh is hard. Yeah. Looking out a window with some music in the background and lighting, looking moody, is easy. It mm. really is easy. And mm. um, what I find the hardest form of acting, I find is running away from something that's not there and you're supposed to be scared. I find it very hard to do and I never get an audition where I have to go, ah, yeah. ah. I think because I've never been, other than jumping when Sinead comes into the room, yeah. I've never had to run for my life so I've nothing to go on. Being heartbroken, sad, sure, having a laugh, great. Um, sassy, but of course. But being like, ah, oh no, run, run, run for ex- an extended amount of time. For me, people who are able to do that convincingly against like what would be a blue screen on the Yeah, agree. I'm like, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Scared acting is the hardest. Yeah. I did a short film once where I had to walk into a room, like the camera was in the room, and I had mm-hmm. to walk in and like jump as if yeah. there was someone there. Oh, one of the worst bits of acting I've ever done. No. Because I was like, well, I mean, it's obviously not. It was really yeah. hard. Yeah. Because I could sustain it for a jump. Yeah. Anything longer. Especially like if there was ever a scene where I had to be murdered for ages. Like, oh, ouchie, ouchie. My arm, arm, ouchie, ouchie. I would really find that a struggle. That to me is a, like people who can do that. Mm. That one is a great bit of acting. So, oh yeah, that acting and also making people laugh. Yes. So pulling off comic timing. I always remember there's this bit in Happy Gilmore where he's saying goodbye to, who's a pro golfer in it? The guy who comes in and he's the really good golfer. I don't know. And I'm, not, I'm also going to misquote the joke as well. Prepare yourselves. <laughs> Perfect. He comes in, he's like, uh, Happy Gilmore, I'm going to make you pay one day. And then Happy <laughs> Gilmore goes, oh, and you're also going to stay by the bay and, <laughs> and rely in hay. Then we'll see what you say. 
And that, to me, I couldn't stop laughing. Oh, my God, I found that so funny. Oscar, Oscar. Oscar, Oscar for Sandler. Um, Please. What is the film that means the most to you? Not because of the film itself, but because of the experience around it. It might have been a first date. It might have been the day you left a place. There's a memory attached to that film. Um, this isn't, it's not like the, the, where I was at the time now in hindsight has the most meaning to me, but every time I hear the soundtrack for Almost Famous or any of the songs on mm-hmm. the soundtrack for Almost Famous or see that movie, I get this, um, coming of age feeling yeah. from when I watched that. I was in this sketch group. I went to university in, in Trinity in Dublin. And before that, my world had been so small. Like I didn't know any English people, genuinely did not know any English people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I probably didn't know any non-Catholic people. My small town existence had been everything. And suddenly I moved to the city and I never had a kebab before. I didn't even know <laughs> a kebab. Like in our town, there were this thing called Abracababra, which is a chip shop yeah. that didn't do kebabs. Because <laughs> there was no demand for them. And so, because it's too far in for anyone. And so, when I moved to Dublin... You'd only just discovered what spaghetti and tomato sauce was. I mean, that was still blowing my mind. Yeah. Guys, I remember trying pesto in my second year at university and be like, this is really going to take off. It's very handy. You don't. You just need a spoon and, and the jar and it's delicious. Yeah. Um, it's no ketchup, but it's great. And in the four years I was at university, for the first three, I kind of landed in and immediately ended up in this predominantly all-male sketch group that I was in for three years. Now, I hadn't watched much comedy. I didn't really know what stand-up is. I never knew. I didn't know what a sketch was. And this is me at 18. Um, I didn't. I'd never seen Monty Python. I didn't know what a lot of the now well-known great comedy is. I'd kind of seen Billy Connolly, maybe, and a few bits and bobs like that, but I'd only had two channels on my TV growing up. So my, even my cultural references were very small, but in this sketch group of, I'd say, uh, 80% men, 50% of them English, uh, publicly educated English guys, and then, uh, Irish guys as well. I sort of learned what sketches are, the beat, the arc of comedy. I, felt very frustrated. I'd always been the funniest school person in the school and my family. And all of a sudden I was with this large group of men and couldn't work out why my voice wasn't. I was trying, pushing hard to kind of get my voice out. But also we'd go and do Edinburgh. So we did Edinburgh in our first year. What I did, was it I, called, the sketch group? Uh, sketch group was called H-BAM. And H-BAM? H-BAM. It was short for How Babies Are Made. Yeah. And our first show was called Stop Fist Fighting, You're Pregnant which was named after a genuine Ricky Lake episode that we saw. And everyone in the group was outrageously talented, and I'd still put down a lot of the guys who were in it as still some of the most talented comedians. And we we worked at that almost mm-hmm. like a professional sketch group. And But I'd never known what the Edinburgh Festival was before, so uh, I went on like a J1 visa to New York and then landed back and immediately went to Edinburgh and we did the sketch show, which went quite well. The following year we did one, and we knew the following year... I was going out with someone in the sketch show and two of the others were going out who are still married and have a lovely baby now. Um, and But we were going through in the sketch group, like 10 of us in the sketch group. And, you know, agents had started floating around and saying, we like you and you, but not you. Mm. Have you ever thought of doing something smaller? And I think we all knew. And there were definitely like groups within the sketch group who probably knew they were going to end and start their own sketch group. But we were also 
probably all in her own way going through stuff and didn't know what was going on and growing yeah. up. And there was just and we'd go off and some people would drink and I was trying not to drink at the time. But um, uh, and being in a couple in the group meant that that was kind of hard for myself and himself because if we were didn't agree on something, you know, it was just all what you'd have in like a young group of people in a friendship group who are also working as a professional group and also it was our passion and we and some of us were better writers and performers some of us were better performers and writers some of us didn't feel like our voices were getting heard some of us felt like our voices weren't worth being heard there was all sorts of stuff going on yeah um and not knowing how to emotionally communicate and then this one night we all stayed in probably halfway through the fringe and uh, there was no like Netflix or anything at the time. And we all stayed in and watched on TV, Almost Famous. Uh. And we were on the precipice of like, uh, like one of the guys is now a TV writer. Um, you were almost uh, no, famous. Two of the guys were, yeah, kind of. It was what started everything really for us. Mm. And I still use a lot of the stuff or, or, or uh, shy away from a lot of the stuff. Like that kind of, like it would be years before I'd go back to Edinburgh as a stand up. Yeah. Um, which is a totally different experience of doing a sketch show and a totally different craft. But without that, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing now, even for all the sad bits of it and the bits that maybe mess me up of sort of like uh, testing my confidence and things like that. And for us all, it definitely was a, um, a formative time. And we were sitting watching this like thing about a band struggling with who's doing what and what everyone's moral implications are and how they're getting along and how they're talking to each other. And it just felt, it felt like for a moment we were all watching this thing. And I remember within that we were enjoying the movie about these young people in a band or whatever it was. And it's like in that moment that I remember none of us, we were all getting along. We weren't trying to out funny each other or play games with each other, Mm. which we were all doing. There was all of us going through all sorts of stuff. And, um, it just became about like that nice evening and still mm-hmm. that sort of that soundtrack and there's loads of songs on it, which, which are gorgeous on that soundtrack, that kind of 1970s. It, oh, one of the songs that like is that we've all gone to look for America. Yeah. And there is a, there's a bit to me, America is success. Like making it in America was that mm. sort of Irish idea of what success was. And we were all reaching for something like we were reaching for greatness. And even though we we're only kind of 2021 20, yeah. and there's something every time I hear that song, like we've all gone to look for America. America is like our dreams or something like that. So I always every time I see or see that film, that's what it reminds me of that one night where it felt like uh, a little bit like because um, by this stage we were sort of coming to an end of it, you know, in World War Two when they play over Christmas, when they play football across the yeah. barracks. This was your armistice. This was our armistice, yeah. That's a lovely answer. This was our armistice. Don't catch a slipping though. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. What is the film you relate to the most? It's it's basically like Frozen for Men. And it's, you know, the story of Christian Slater. Is it called The Fighter? Him and his brother fighting and he can't fight anymore. And then the brother has to step in. Uh, and fight do you for mean him. Mark Wahlberg? Yes. <laughs> oh, no, or he's the mean, brother. Who's you, the who's who's the brother who could have been extra brilliant, but ended up in jail, and he lost loads of weight for it. Not Christian Slater. Do you mean Warrior? Christian Bale. Yes. And he and he plays the brother. Yes. To Mark Wahlberg. Yes. It. Again, Mark Wahlberg and Matthew. Born identity. Matt Damon. Yeah, they all, they're another troubling uh, group of people for me where I don't always remember which one's which. <laughs> um, 
Um, so you mean the fighter? Yes. With Mark Wahlberg. And Christian Slater. Goes no, back and, to being sorry, a boxer. Christian Slater is the one uh, I get mixed up with. And why I love that film was you have, again, just like in Frozen, a complicated elder. Um, frosty bro. Frosty, frosty bro. And a younger uh, sibling who would do anything for mm. the person they look up to the most and ends up doing anything for them. And uh, getting back into fighting as an example. And ultimately, the complicated elder person shows their love in a complicated way, but the little sibling knows how to recognise it. So to me, the fighter is an adult man's Frozen. If you like the fighter, may I please suggest, I don't want to be all Netflix about it, Frozen. Double billet with Frozen. Yeah. That's a a great answer. So that is, when I thought about, I just remember watching and getting really upset, like when I got watched Frozen. Being like, I'm Christian Bale. And I'm Christian Bale. I'm Christian Slater or Bale. I'm Christian Slater. I'm a Christian. I'm Christian and or Slater or Bale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's something about the complicated. I think those stories in particular Mm. are the ones that connect with me a little bit where I'm like, oh, I I know maybe she's been definitely a better sibling to me than I have to her, which I'm trying to rectify. But those stories always get me a little bit like, oh, Mm. ouch. Um, I don't think there's been any sassy like shopping movie where finally I got my groove back. That I really associate myself with. It's always a random movie, like you know, snow I, I on think hands I or... more associate with Stella got a groove. How Stella got a groove back? <laughs> That's totally impressed. What? Um, what's the film you think's the greatest film? Objectively, Aliens come. They go. What cinema? You go. Oh, it's probably this. Well, here is the thing. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you're going to like it, Brett. It's about to make you uncomfortable. Uh oh. My greatest film of all time, because again, I'm not a film buff. And when people ask me who my favourite stand-up is, mm. like, of course, there are amazing people who you look up to and you go Billy Connolly. And I love Billy Connolly, grew up watching him, etc., etc. Yeah. But for me, a lot of my peers are my favourite and I think greatest stand-ups because I see them battle gigs that I know are tough mm. or I see them start off material and make it great over the course of a few months. So I know what it takes to get that made. And yeah. when I see it being amazing the other end, I'm like, wow. So for me, on this, the same way I judge stand-up and the great stand-up that I admire or feel like, whoa, uh, without all the budget and the money thrown at it and people doing it for 40 years, my favourite movie is Super Bob. <laughs> Super Bob, for those of you who don't know, is Brett Goldstein's movie. And I... And I, I really just you haven't right paid you to say this. You haven't paid me. And I can see that you have the discomfort on your face. And for me, this mm. movie is a gorgeous movie. And I'll tell you why. Uh, I know how little you had to make it with. I know how much you put into it. Um, it not only pulls at my heartstrings, and despite being a very traditional rom-com and quite a traditional funny action man along the lines of Deadpool or Ant-Man with some jokes inside and a very handsome lead actor who's also funny. Despite it following quite an ABC pattern of all those movies, and despite it being very heartstringy, it never gets schmaltzy, cheesy, or falls into like, oh, typical, even though there are typical scenes you want. Mm. So it's like a nicely made, it's a great, it's a great dinner with things you recognise, but you want done in really nicely cooked ways. Maybe I am a bit hungry. Yeah, sure. Um, it's tomato ketchup. It's, it's tomato ketchup, it's cheese, salt. spaghetti, put together. A mama, just like a mama used to make. 
And um, so I love Super Bob. And I remember being around you and how much you put into it um, when you were making it and all the stuff you'd try and you'd go out with John Drever, your pal and my pal, who's the director, and you try... He, he listens to this. I mean, he'll be crying. I know he'll be crying. But I remember you guys would go out into the park and try and work on different forms of technology and cheap technology to see was there any way you could make it look like you were flying away with your jumps and how you like sprang onto your feet. We spent a lot of time working out how a superhero jumps. Yeah. And yeah. Lands. So I saw all of your process and I saw you do it and make it and it come out Without bells and whistles, without um, a big backing, uh, without loads of finance to throw at advertising. And I still think it'll have its day in the sun where it gets a giant movie release. It's beautiful. Yourself and Catherine Tate are gorgeous together in it. Uh, Again, you are playing the kind of gal character in many ways. And she's playing the kind of like uh, hard ass male character. So I love the way the gender is slightly reversed. Um, I love the romance of it, that gorgeous scene where you guys lift up into the air. Um, you've got elderly actors in it, which is great because you get to show uh, a story about elderly people. The bits where you sing in the choir is so gorgeous. And all of the improv bits don't last too long. And don't, um, you don't milk. You're so good at improv. And some of those scenes, I'm sure you could have left into run and run for jokes, but they're not left there too long which is great. Sometimes you watch things and you're like, okay, I know you guys find it funny, but you needed to kill some of your darlings and make it shorter for us as a watcher. So that is my greatest movie of all time, Brett. Jesus Christ, how much? I mean, it's really a lovely, I know, I don't really know what to say other than, I guess I suppose if the the critics of Sight and Sound are looking at Citizen Kane or Superbot, I I imagine they'll they'll end up. Citizen Kane, grand, you know. Yeah. I get it. If you're listening, please download it on iTunes and rate it five stars. It is out of five, isn't it? I can imagine if it was ten. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, please rate it five stars. Uh, I mean, you've, uh, let's move on because I'm very grateful you said that. But also, I might have to cut it because it will be If weird. you cut that, yeah. I genuinely swear to God, I'm going to mm. kill you with a series of paper cuts, oh, a laptop slipping over and I'm going to um, publicly shame you on so many levels I can't think of the incidents yet but you know I've known you long enough to pull up some stuff okay. if you cut this I will kill you I will cut you what is the <laughs> film <laughs> that you thought uh, look at me when I say this what's the film you found the sexiest <laughs> oh god that was so creepy <laughs> look at my giant hands what's the film you found the sexiest this is I bet you've got an answer for this 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 is this is well, you you told me this question in two parts. Yes. You said, what's the film you found the sexiest? And then Troubling Boners, Worrying And Troubling wax. Burners, Worrying Wax. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> not what it is, but yeah. okay. Oh, I love alliteration. Uh-huh. So I've written down the name of this because I had to Google it. It was very odd Google. And right. I'm glad we brought him up already. There, one night. It's not the fairy liquid advert. I was sitting down. <laughs> That's a short film. Yeah. Um... And very effective and scary. I was uh, in my house and uh, it was late at night and I ended up watching this movie and it was about a monk played by Christian Slater. It must be Slater. It's called In the Name of the Rose. Yes, The Name of the Rose. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to be confused with In the Name of the Father. If I was getting a a Dublin Tommy Tank from In the Name of the Father, that would be very Irish of me. Very on brand. 
very on brand. Um, just as an aside, I watched In the Name of the Father as a kid. My mm. au pair showed it to me. My au pair, uh, our au pair showed it to us um, before we were ready. And I didn't understand the troubles or what had been going on in right. Ireland. And so my catchphrase phrase, but I really like that little girl in it. She'd go, Daddy, Daddy, the IRA has our jury. <laughs> and I used to run around the house going, Daddy, Daddy, the IRA has our jury. IRA is our jury and I'd yeah. steal a phrase myself and Sinead say, okay. that's funny me and my sister have a catchphrase from that film oh really what is, is it a pest on it <laughs> are you saying <laughs> I pissed on it yeah I he says I wrote it. your name in the sand and he's angry with his dad I wrote your name in the sand and I pissed on it <laughs> I pissed on it <laughs> <laughs> that's one of our catchphrases oh bread. oh you're such a talented actor but it's the worst I've ever seen <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I passed on it, Jerry. <laughs> anyway, go on. <sighs> so, anyways, so this monk, mm. and let me tell you, Christian Slater's haircut. In this, he's got one of those like a red monk. bowl haircuts. A monk's haircut. A monk, yeah, a monk, yeah. By all accounts, <laughs> to me, it always looks like one of those bread bowls. You know that they serve chowder in and bath them. Yeah, and but someone's eating the bottom out of the chowder bowl and put it on <laughs> someone's head. Um. And so he's in this and there's this, I could, I think I'd never seen porn. And so this uh, was on and it was right. so horny and so sexy, this scene, because he was having sex with this girl. I don't think she spoke any English yeah. and it was her first time. And the two of them were like, ooh, ooh, uh, uh. And I think it was the mm. most porny and maybe I was brought up in a religious background. Yeah. Maybe it all fed into the fact that that was like, some kind of like, oh, Father, no, this is not right, Father Monk. Yeah, um, they do it in a barn, right? Like I a think sort of... it might be, I, I remember rocks are a part of a castle. Yeah, they're in a castle. They snap off to a little barn. Maybe barn it's way. a barn. Sean Connery's there. But then if there's a barn, to be fair, I grew up on a farmland area and there's a barn mm-hmm. across over my house. This is ticking a lot of boxes. That, I mean, it's ticking a lot of boxes. If there was, if there was an Italian chef nearby <laughs> making spaghetti and ketchup... And be like, oh no. Oh, brother. Um, so I remember that being so, such a horny watch. Mm. Or I couldn't believe how much they were showing and maybe leaving in. Uh, maybe um, she might have gotten some boobs out. But mm. also classic Hollywood. Despite her being a local peasant, she was like a model Correct, in a yeah. sack, you know. He has his bum out. Does he as well? Yeah. yeah, I don't remember the bum, but I'm sure that played part in it. You don't remember his name, but you're... Christian Slater and or Bale. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so that was your Bale first, That was your sexy film. Yeah, I just remember being like, that's horny. <laughs> and Did I think it was around was the same then? time the song Horny came out. Wow. You were like, yeah. that's what this song came from. You got me praying in the morning, I'm a monk, oh yeah. <laughs> but the barn is real nearby. <laughs> And the other monks were asleep. You got me praying and I'm saying the song to you, to you, to you. And then the mute girl's like, Ah, pest on it. Ah, pest on it. Oh, and then troubling bonus. Yeah, what's your troubling bonus? Worrying if wider. you wouldn't mind. I remember uh, having a thing, and now it's not technically filmic, but it leads into filmic. Mm-hmm. Finding his name is Aslan, the lion. The lion. Um, and the animatronic version from the original television series. Yes. And I remember being like, what a strong back he has. Mm-hmm. Wonderful strong back and a very 
masculine. Again, I didn't have any men in my life growing up. I was all-female house, aunties, school, friends, didn't know any men. And there was something about the strength of Aslan that I was like, oh, that's a different physical strength to women. And then when The Lion King came out, we managed to get it on video on Christmas and we had The Lion King on video. And there was something about Simba Mm. to the point where my mother sort of let us be quite creative in the house. She didn't mind. We weren't big on like, oh, our possessions are really precious. And she let me on my bedroom wall get chalk and draw a giant mural of Simba on the wall. And I remember doing the curve of his back. Baby Simba? Adult Simba. Adult Simba. Well, teenage Simba. Okay. You know, the kind of like when he meets Pumbaa and Timon and they go on like lads' nights When he's in the Nairari's face. Yeah, exactly. Right. Not kind of like settling down thinking about his career, Simba. Yeah. Um, Freelancer, going to coffee shops, working on a script, Simba. And uh, (laughs) I drew a giant Simba in my bedroom and it was all chalk Mm. and Mama used to actually bring people up to show it. Because it, it was a very good one at the oh, time. Like, I mean, my mother is very, my girls are amazing. Um, so I don't, my memory of it is that it's very good. But She's she drawn to, this in blood. Yeah, can you, can you imagine? And uh, like when I had a Navy school uniform, and I remember sometimes I'd go in with chalk on my back because I brush against the wall accidentally and have like orange chalk on my Navy uniform. Okay. Um, but I remember there was something about the curve of his back and his bum that I was like, fit. Right. There's a fitness to that lion. <laughs> what is the film that you could watch the most over and over again? Back to the Future. And when I was thinking, when you were saying, like, what movie doesn't stand up to the test? Yes. Um, Back to the Future was the one that does still stand up. Uh, about, I'd say, six years ago in Leicester Square, they did a screening of Back to the Future. Yes. Uh, on the big screen. And I'd never seen it on the big screen, only on the uh, home television yeah. cinema. And I saw Back to the Future and, oh my God, was it good. And there's something so committed about the whole film that you don't mind that all of the technology hasn't come through. Mm. So things like, you know, dry, clean jackets while you're wearing them. Oh, or even you there's... talking Back to the Future Part 2? Am I? No, I don't think so. In the diner? Oh, because he goes back into the past, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, I am talking Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then I think I might Either have... way, lovely Either film. way, either way. I'm, I've never been a fan of the one where they go into the Wild West. The three. Yeah, I, I just... It wasn't... I don't, I don't really like Westerns. Yeah. So that, to me, I was like, meh, oh. Whereas I like the idea of the past and changing the future. I always have that as a premise in a movie. Mm-hmm. And I also love people's fantasy of what they think a future will look like. Yeah, I love that. So yeah, the uh, Back to the Future 1 and 2, I absolutely love. There's a moment, I remember watching in the cinema, and there's a moment where the doc goes, Quick, Marty, this way! And the actor, Christopher looks down the barrel of the lens accidentally, then moves his eyes to the side. Oh, great. But because he was so committed, it's like he went, whoops, and then went to the side. <laughs> and they left it in. Wow. There's one, quick party, we need to go. And then he looks down looks to the side the and gone. Yeah. And I love that, that it was so committed. And some of it's so overacted, but you don't see it as overacting because they're so committed to their parts. I, lo- I, I just love it. I love little moments like... And, and things that they thought would be technology, technologically possible by now and still aren't. Hoverboards, as we all know, or even when Jaws 3 is coming out and the, the 
the uh, hologram comes out of the cinema like a a shark, but that still isn't being done. But then other things like they'll still have to use a a, a phone box. Yeah. You know? uh, uh, There's a Christopher Walken, well, Abel Ferreira film with Christopher Walken Mm -hmm. called King of New York, which Mm -hmm. is about him sort of killing his way to the top of the crime tree in New York. And it's a, he. I read an interview with him where he said, "Weirdly, King of New York is people I get most people ask me about." Why? And he said the reason I think that one is the one that connects with people is because he says there's a shot of me in the shower and I look down the lens by accident, but he didn't cut it out. And he says I think that that moment connects me with the audience because I'm this bad guy, and then I look at them and we like hold eye contact. Wow. And he says, "And now you're part of it." Even though it was a mistake. That was his theory. Yeah. Don't know if it's true, but I, I don't like know it. if I saw that moment as an actor or as an audience member. Yeah. Because for me, if you do that on screen, you know that you're like, and it's really hard. Yeah. Because sometimes where you have to look, for those of you who have never acted before, <laughs> why are you even listening to this podcast? <laughs> um, you Sometimes. Do you have self-esteem? They, what oh, well what do you even do with your days? Well, they didn't cry about failed auditions. There's uh, when they turn around and do your side of a of a scene, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't get to look at the actor you've been acting in the scene against. So you might actually be acting to a piece of sellotape stuck to a part of the camera because that'll actually make it look like your eyes are looking straight at the actor when yeah. they edit it together. And so sometimes you can be looking so close to the camera that it's really hard not to look down the lens. Yeah. And so at that moment, I'm like, oh, you'd cut you'd cut that, obviously. Or if they, when they yell cut, you go, sorry, I looked down. The, I definitely looked down. The, can we watch it back? Didn't see if my eyeballs went a bit skewy. So they're the doing skewy eyes. Skewy, I think skewy eyes. Okay, we've got skewy eyes. We're going to have to go again. Maybe they just didn't know until they got there. There's a bit in, in, in Raiders of Lost Art where a fly goes in an actor's mouth and he just goes <gasps> on acting and it's so stressful to watch. Oh, my God. Because you're just like, get rid of the fly. He just carries on talking about fly goes in his mouth and comes out his mouth, goes over his face. So stressful. I love those moments in movies. I think they yeah. always keep everything fresh. It's a classic in Pretty Woman that everyone knows about, which when Richard Gere snapped the box shut mm. when she's about to get the bracelet, it was a real moment between her and him. Yeah. Um, and so those things, I think, end up being really cute. You can't write them, I suppose, as little moments of surprise. Um, I just saw Mission Impossible Fallout, and there's a bit where Tom Cruise falls He's climbing up onto a helicopter and, and he falls, falls, out. falls off. Is that why it's called? Why didn't well, it and I thought well, it looks fall off. like an accident. But I don't know if it was. It probably wasn't. But it's really great bit. Mm, it because probably you're makes you go, oh, Jesus. Hold on, Tom. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a level at which you're like, oh, no. And then there's a level which you're actually worried about the actor, which is where you don't want to be. Mm. I always hate in movies when I see the actor be uncomfortable with nudity or getting out of bed. So in a scene where you have two people finishing having sex, like just do from the shoulders up, but don't leave a bra on a woman unless they're out in public. But if they've just had sex together in bed and she's still wearing her bra, I don't know any of my friends who don't take their bra off. I don't. I don't. Do you know any of my friends who don't take their bra (laughs) off? But like, and similarly, if, especially if it's a husband and wife and they go to the bathroom after having sex, when they take the sheet and bring the sheet with them, Mm. Unless you make a thing of it, yeah. to me, that's the actor in their contract going, no boobs. But for me, there's a creative way, which I totally get, but there's a creative way to shoot around that. Just shoot the shoulders or get just the back as they get up. But don't pretend that you'd bring a sheet with you 
yeah. around the place after you just having sex or something <laughs> like, like that. Like a ghost. Yeah, that that to me is. I always think, oh, the actor didn't want to be. Yeah, and it annoys you. It really annoys me because I'm I'm now worried about the actor. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, it's in their contract, which isn't so sexy anymore. In the in the name of the rose. Yeah, she doesn't have any sheets. There's no sheets. Well, they? actually, both of their clothes are made out of glorified sheets. Really, if you think about it. They're in like sacks, aren't they? Yeah, pair of sad sacks, <laughs> getting it on in a barn. <laughs> um, okay, we'll do this quickly because I don't like being negative with long. What's the worst film you've ever seen? Um, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go back to it. And I know people will be outraged, Brett, because I didn't get to judge the whole piece, the piece as a whole, which is ironic considering yeah. what a whole piece is in it. Um, yeah, The Human Centipede. I don't think it should exist. The Human Centipede. Yeah, it's the worst film. Okay. Um, I just, it's affected me so much. I don't believe it needed to be made. I don't know why. It's awful. I, I, I'm, I'm, I turn into sort of a 70 year old man going, it'll give people ideas. <laughs> so I just don't like that much hatred put out I, into I'm the world. I'm scared to Google it, but I wonder incidents of real human sentiment. I can't, I can't even think about it, Brett. <laughs> Since. Do you know why? I think maybe it feels like a metaphor for human trafficking, which mm. is really happening. And yeah. that's what it feels like. I feel like it's, it's, it's human trafficking in some way. And turning people, uh, yeah, and I f- that is happening. And so for me, that's what it feels like. Okay. So yeah, that's why it's the worst film. What is the film that's made you laugh the most? Um, I'm putting this in because it's been such an important film for me professionally and for many of the women I work with. I'm going to say Bridesmaids. Great answer. Uh, the reason being Kirsten Wig is a hero of mine, mm-hmm. but also that changed things in both a quick and a slow way for me being able to do my job and for me being able to pitch TV shows and films with female leads in it and to see the female experience in all of its messiness and to make something commercially that successful that has big flowery dresses and a pink poster that men and women can go and watch. That doesn't have to be a chick flick or a female movie. It's a bloody brilliant comedy with heart in it, that's got loads of great actors in it, that's got all different types of jokes in it, that launched the careers of people like Melissa McCarthy, who's amazing, Mm. and also got producers to trust women, to trust that women can make movies and women will go and see them and they won't just be for women. And that all of a sudden you got to play with the big boys in some way, rather than being a niche. Female is not a genre. (laughs) And so there's something about that movie that's a comedy. It's a certain type of comedy. It doesn't have to represent all women. It doesn't have to represent all certain types of comedy. It's it's not a family comedy, but it's a big old belly of laughs. It's fucking funny. Oh, it's funny. And when you w- walk through it, because Kirsten Wiig's an interesting character in that she doesn't, outside of SNL and her big characters, it's almost like she goes in and accidentally gets laughs rather yeah. than looks for them in it. She's kind of trying to be serious in it. And then there's loads of moments. Her her character, who doesn't know she's funny, finds them. And it's a lovely thing. And then you've all of these players. I remember watching Rose Byrne and thinking she could absolutely be a vacuous, just like, I only care about shoes. Mm. And, and we would have happily settled for that as her character. It's a beautiful actress known from Damages with Glenn Close. And um, in it... They give her the chance to not just be the evil villain, but to have yeah. so many jokes in it and for them to play off each other. And there's so much camaraderie in it. And yes, anding each other. 
and playing with each other that no one ever has to be the straight guy in it. And my friend Chris is in it, Chris O'Dowd. It launched his career in America and he almost has to be, uh, he gets to kind of funny up the straight character in it in many ways. And he's such a funny actor anyways. So yeah, I love that film for so many reasons, uh, especially as an adult. It doesn't bring me back to my childhood or anything. It brings me back to that sort of stuff, opens the door for so many women in comedy to, to, to go forth and not just be a woman in comedy, to yeah. go and get to be a person. And that's all we're really looking for. Imagine if we were people. That's beautiful. Thank you, Imagine Brett. if you were. Female is not a genre, it's a gender. Thank you, Brett. Well done. <laughs> um, I love Bridesmaids. It's fucking amazing. Mm. Well, here's the thing, Ainsley. You've been a wonderful guest. Oh, thanks, Brett. For someone who has not seen many films. They're the only films I've seen. You've chosen very wisely. But the thing is, I'm very grateful you did it. Mm -hmm. Very happy to have had you on. However, when you died by paper cut and blinding yourself with dog poo Mm -hmm. from a dog that you were babysitting and smashing your face into your screen and becoming a gift. And then ultimately the delivery man. And then the delivery man finding you staggering around blindly, literally Mm. blindly, stabbed you to death because you owed him... 30 years worth of delivery. invite into your house. When that happened and we got your will and we looked at it and it said, pack me in with a slanket, a slanket <laughs> and it said, but also some hats. It was quite a long list of what you wanted <laughs> yeah. to wear. Joke it's quite elaborate. You had like um, Groucho Marx glasses and a moustache you wanted. Mm-hmm. Also moon boots, weirdly, which mm-hmm. take up a lot of room. Just in case. And big Mickey, Man, Mickey Mouse hands because you were scared of big hands and you didn't want to be scared of them. Anyway, yeah. when we put all of that in the coffin, yeah. there was a lot less room than we were expecting. Yeah. Mostly because of all your props. And <laughs> there's only room for one DVD to go with you to the other side. Now, on the other side, there's movie night. And when it's your movie night, what do you want to show everyone? I have two options. One of them is Super Bob because then I get to bring my friend Bradley to heaven. Uh-huh. But I really think you're going to die before me from stress, so you'll be there anyways. Yeah. I think it's going to be frozen, so I can bring my little sister with me, which is really creepy because I doubt she'll let me get her hands on her. Um, she honestly does not love me as much as I love her, or I'm obsessed with her. So I think I'm going to bring I can, Frozen. I can vouch for that. Yeah, you can definitely vouch for that. You've seen us together in her role, her eyes, and she yeah. also hates me talking about her, so we cannot let her know about this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to bring Frozen. That's a lovely And so when we time. get there, just in case Sinead's not already there, even though I have planned her funeral, I'm going to play Tiny Dancer by Elton John on it. From Almost Famous? Uh, yes, because uh, she's like, she's small, and so... Because uh, she does? She can dance. And also, I feel like I'd be able to do the most beautiful eulogy for her. Mm-hmm. So every time Sinead and I hear, even at a party or anything, when we hear a tiny dancer, she's like, oh, it's my funeral song. I'm like, oh, babes. Um, Blue jean, baby. L.A. lady. And because she works in costume, seems just to the stars. Oh, lovely. And she used to do ballet. Ballerina. You must have seen her. Do you want to give us a snippet of the eulogy? Has she heard it or is it a surprise? No, I'm going to leave her eulogy for a surprise on the oh, day. Okay, great. So I'm going to bring Frozen. Listen, I, I, A, lovely answer, and B, no one's had it. So that means you're the only person who took Frozen, which is great. A lot of people take the same film and then they're annoyed. Ugh, uh-huh. Like what film comes up a lot? Back to the Future. Oh, a lot of people on. have taken Back to the Future. Nah. Every night is Back to the Future. So people will be relieved. Oh, God, you should Frozen. go back to the future and, and change the movie getting made. Yeah. So you have something else to talk about. 
Uh, Ainsley, what a delight. Bradley, Thank you're one you of my best coming. friends. I'm very fond of you. Well, I'm very fond of you too. And please uh, enjoy yourself on the other side where they don't just talk about film, but that's the only bit I'm interested in. So good luck finding out what else people are into up there. Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. Ooh, na, 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 na. We could have paid it. You yeah, I think we could have paid it out there, yeah. You go. No, you oh, paid it. Oh, okay. You're a live paid. Um, just, just realised I don't know the words. <laughs> when I'm sound, I'm like the lady Christian Slater or Bale had sex with. I'm sound, I'm sound, I'm sound, I'm sound. When I'm sound, I wait for you. And I say, I did. Understand the miracle of living. When I was afraid before. Oh, baby, do you love like that? I think my numbness from the dentist is wearing off. Oh, heaven is a place. So that was episode 16. Thank you so much to Ainsley for coming on the show. If you want to get tickets for the live show, go to the BFI website and use the discount code BURIED. So, who's the special guest? Well, I'll bloody tell you. The special guest is an award-winning actor who started out in sketch comedy He has starred in Oscar-winning films. He has demonstrated enormous dramatic range. And he even managed to kiss Rachel from Friends in a broad comedy. He has done consistently excellent work and he is still younger than everyone you've ever met. It is, of course, your man from Son of Rambo. It's Mr. Will Poulter. If you are coming and you want to join in the live show, tweet your most interesting answers to your favourite questions, adding the hashtag, hashtag, F-T-B-B-W, as in films to be buried with. That's hashtag F-T-B-B-W. And if there's time, at the end of the show, I will pick a few of my favourites and you can come up and tell us all about them. That is it for all the admin, except obviously subscribe and give us five stars and it would really help the show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Special thanks to Buddy Peace this week, who stayed up very late producing this one. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the artwork. Come back next week for more films to be buried with, with the wonderful Stu Goldsmith. But in the meantime, have a great week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.